Welcome back to another Investing with IBD episode. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Pires, who joins me every week. Uh, he's a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors, and we're coming to you on October 25th, 2023. Uh, we kind of alluded last week that we were maybe going to have a special guest, and we were kind enough to be joined uh, by uh, Jeffrey Hirsch over at the Stock Traders Almanac. He's the editor over there, taking over where his father left off. Uh, and we figured that because of everything that's going on in October, uh, all of this talk about bottoms happening and seasonality, uh, who better to have on the show than Jeffrey Hirsch to kind of walk us through that. So uh, welcome, Jeffrey, back to the show. Good to be with you guys. Appreciate you having me. Um, it was Yale's 100th, or would be his, would have been his 100th birthday on Monday. So wow. it's kind of ironic or paradoxical uh, that we're seeing this October volatility that, that he, you know, taught everyone about way back in 1969 in one of the first almanacs. So um, great to be with you. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks again for coming on, especially short notice, because it was an idea that Arusha had last time. Uh, Arusha, he he's still the idea man. So well, well done, Arusha. Uh, <laughs> um, of course, Arusha and I are also just coming off of a Founders Club uh, um, that we had out in Arizona. It was really cool to you know see a lot of folks in person, uh, to see each other in person. I mean, Arusha and I don't get to see each other in person that much. So, uh, Jeffrey, we'll we'll have to have you come come to one of these in the future. Oh yeah. Yeah, it'd be good to see you in person. <laughs> but just, just, uh, you know what? I'm not sure where next year will be, but it's uh, it's once a year. It's kind of it's like once the, a year a yeah. premium event so, for yeah, near a beach. Well, I I guess we know how to get Jeffrey there. Uh, just put it near a beach, and uh, he'll show up. Uh, you know what? Maybe maybe we'll uh, tie it in with visiting my daughter at, uh, in Hawaii. You know, there you go. <laughs> so, oh, you're you're really uh, raising the bar here, Justin. <laughs> Right, exactly. Oh, the powers of that beer are going to be really happy with Justin. Yeah, I, I, I have no, life. I have no power on location, so just everyone should know that this is all, all, all talk, no action here. Uh, but hey, let's get right into it, and uh, we're going to talk, uh, of course, as as we always do, about the market and what's happening there. Um, earnings wave is coming, and so we'll have to address that. Uh, and then, you know, kind of just let's talk a little bit about. This whole idea of the October volatility bottoms, uh, Jeffrey's talked about this so many times before, but uh, certainly a good idea to kind of, as the as the month closes, see where we are and see how we can kind of gauge that. And then uh, Jeff's got a few ideas uh, in terms of trades for us that we'll talk about in the third segment. So uh, where do you want to start, Jeff? Um, NASDAQ uh, market, or is, is there another one that you're looking at a little bit closer? Well, I mean, NASDAQ had a, a rough day today. We can start there. But, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it had a great year. It had a great sweet spot. Um, it, you know, the one thing I'm concerned about overall is that, you know, for the past three years, we've been tracking our seasonal cycles and the four-year presidential election cycle so closely. It's at a time like this in October when we have turmoil in the Middle East and, you know, uh, interest rates, though not historically high, uh, um, you know, sequentially high over the past couple of years. It's, uh, and with the 10-year, you know, as we were discussing prior being, you know, spiking a little bit this afternoon, you, you wonder how long can the seasonals and the cycles really be driving it? I mean, I look at seasonal cycles, at, you know, as a foundation, but fundamentals, technicals, you know, monetary and government policy, geopolitics, sentiment, all play in, you know, to, to the disciplines that I look at for the market. So I find myself feeling a little bit 
you know, uh, unnerved by, by the action, even though it's it's setting up, which, which is good. I, I can be my own contrary indicator um, and, and playing <laughs> off my own emotions a little bit. But, um, <clears throat> you know, late October, great time to buy stocks, especially techs and small caps, as we we say in the almanac in print, if you look on page whatever on the October 24th or 5th, if you got yours handy, and here it is happening. So I, I got to stick to the, the, the program, stick to the system. And, you know, we, we finally had one thing, you know, go positive for us or at least get solved with the, the Speaker of the House getting, you know, getting one in there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's one thing checked off. We still have a bunch of other things. But, you know, it's it's times like these when sentiment gets really negative. Um, it, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, you got to hold to it. So. NASDAQ's looking like it's setting up a nice bottom. So, Jeff, uh, so the seasonal MACD buy signal, that's still in effect, right? Correct. Um, we look for our MACD buy signal for the best six months, which are November through April. We wait until we get to October 1st okay. um, and look for uh, a crossover using the 817.9, not the 1226.9 for all three major indices, the S&P, Dow, and the NASDAQ composite. And um, we got that signal, uh, what was it, October 9th, I believe, if memory serves. That was the I Monday that so. it happened. Yeah. 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 So October 9th was the Monday. Um, you know, market's gone a little bit lower than there. I mean, no one ever said that these that these signals picked the exact low. Right. But after being out uh, of NASDAQ since June 22nd, again, if memory serves, we avoided a lot of the downdraft. Um, here we are, you know, in the headlines today that were – at lows not seen since June, you know, levels mm-hmm. not seen since June. So um, the MACD buy signal for both, uh, for all three of them, the S&P, Dow, and NASDAQ is in effect. And that's one of the trades that we hold without a stop because of the seasonal overlay. Uh, whereas with the stock picks and, and ETFs that we, you know, we the secondary depths that we, that we, we pick, those will put stops in on. But the, the best month switching strategy um, it's it, the history is built in there, so there's no stop on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, a, a lot of times, you know, just before people think that it's like crazy to not have a stop, uh, you know, there there's this concept of dollar cost averaging, and mm-hmm. while we never would suggest doing that on individual stocks, doing that on markets is is something that's completely legitimate. And I mean, Bill even suggested that in his book, How to Make Money in Stocks for How to Make a Million Dollars in Mutual Funds. Hey, when the market's down, uh, you know, 33%, add as much as you can. <laughs> that and, you know, putting in uh, a set amount every month and you'll mm-hmm. adjust dollar cost in there with the indexes. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the key. I think is, is a sound strategy. Yeah. Uh, let, let's switch over to the 10 year treasury yield because you did bring up interest rates and. Mm-hmm. You, you pointed out that they're not at historical highs by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, the change that we had from this, you know, it, it was it was pretty dramatic. I mean, I think of it, you know, hey, we were just in Arizona and very hot weather. Look, if you if you went to uh, the North Pole right afterwards, your body would just, you know, have a shock to its system. And that's kind of what we got uh, here. Um, so how, how are you looking at the 10-year treasury yield because that's been so important here. Does that overlay at all in, in your methodology? Of course it does, but it's not, you know, necessarily a seasonal thing. This is one of those other factors. This is 
monetary policy. I mean, mm -hmm. it is the thing that's been our biggest concern. We wrote about it back in March and we broke through that 4.3 level, which was sort of that March level that was that was sustaining. And, and here we are through five. And every time we see the 10 year, um, you know, get uh, the yield get boosted, uh, stocks, you know, move lower. And it is it's part of the equation. The things that drive the 10 year can be inflation. It can be some turmoil, you know, flight to safety stuff. Um, I know we were we were looking at the the numbers when when um, today's action when the speaker was elected, it looked like there was a spike in the ten year. So about selling the news or just you know we've got somebody here now. What now? What are they going to do next? You know the <laughs> the uncertainty that we were certain about became new uncertainty. You know we've got yeah. some un, un you know unknown guy coming in. We need people know who he is, but unknown as a speaker coming in, what's going to happen? So maybe maybe that's something there. Yeah, um, yeah, my favorite was, I think, Susan Collins saying, yeah, you know, it's great, you know, that we've got this Johnson guy. I'm going to look him up on Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> like um, the rest of us. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, uh, for me personally, as a citizen, at least the, the GOP got together and voted on something and got it through, considering yeah. what's been happening recently. So um, that's important. Yeah. It's pretty low bar, though, Jeff, isn't it? <laughs> hey, you know, it's politics. What are you exactly. Do? exactly. <laughs> so the, the, the low bar is established on anything political. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about earnings. I mean, this this week is really important. Um, we had we had Microsoft and Google uh, or Alphabet, I should say, the parent of Google. And Microsoft was up, I mean, certainly off of its highs, but, you know, up a, a decent amount, whereas Google uh, Alphabet just really got hit hard, you know, dropped below its 10, uh, its 50-day moving average line and its 10-week line, um, you know, almost a 10% drop. Um, we've got now Meta is, uh, as we're speaking, uh, Meta is out, and that's uh, looking like it's up a little bit uh, after the conference call. Um, there, there's a lot of big names here that are that are coming out this week. Amazon later. Um, how do you how do you handle earnings, uh, or is it something that you just kind of don't really uh, pay too much attention to? You're really looking kind of at the overall big picture. We pay attention to the overall big picture for earnings of of the stocks and stock market, the S and P. Um, I mean, this is the time of the year where we like to pick our own basket of stocks. I mean, we've talked about my pre-can-slim type methodology, yeah. but um, we found last year, we waited until after the Q3 earnings came in and we had a really robust basket. Uh, Super Microcomputer was one of the ones that came through at about 81.93. So um, it's it's an opportune time. Uh, it looks like there's been, from my my observations, some, some uh, um, beats, some misses both on, on, on big time stocks. I mean, I think Microsoft was keeping the Dow up today from, from what I saw mm -hmm. with uh, that. And Google's bringing the NASDAQ down as, and Facebook got um, a little, uh, uh, you know, black eye with the lawsuit yesterday, was that yesterday, I believe. So it's all part of the narrative. I mean, here we are in October. And, and as you know, Arusha knows, there's the October 31st deadline in addition to earnings season where funds have to reconcile their accounting every year. And it's it's all part of this volatility that gets created in October, the earnings season, the 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 40 Act Fund, you know, IRS code deadline, the 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 juncture between the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter and the year end, and the the portfolio restructuring of, of institutions and and money managers moving moving things around and getting geared up for year end. So the whole earnings picture fits into that. Um, 
you know, it, the stocks did very well for, for a while. There's a lot of big beats. So, I mean, things aren't going to keep, you know, constantly growing forever. That's why we go look for new stocks that are, you know, uh, beating, uh, you know, quarter after quarter and accelerating growth and revenue and earnings. And um, but, you know, the rising tide or lowering tide that gets created by these big earnings um, announcements for these big stocks does have an impact. And we're seeing that it's part of the picture. Jeff, what what about like sector rotation? Are you are you seeing any new different uh, sectors that money could be uh, rotating into now versus uh, where they've been for the last four to five months? Well, there is that sort of uh, other currency out there that we were going to talk about later. <laughs> which, yeah, we have, which is coming up. We just you definitely want to stay so, tuned. I mean, we've seen a movement into into that. And, you know, after not being, I'm talking about crypto and Bitcoin, after not being uh, as much of a flight to safety as, as everyone had thought it was going to be, uh, lately it seems to have been, even though it's tracking the seasonal stock patterns as well, too. So, um Oil, you know, was was uh, something that was moving uh, against the seasonals based upon the strong demand and lowered supply. Um, that that sort of has, has uh, stalled out there. Um, I'm not seeing. I mean, we had the whole semiconductor and AI rally, and then we had a great short there, you know, over uh, mid-August to September, which we covered. But they seem to be tracking the seasonal sector patterns for us, and most of those. Bullish seasonal period uh, sector periods begin in October, so we've switched into going into most of the sectors, and there's like too many to list. But okay, what what about like the with staples, right? Staples. Uh, I mean, utilities kind of made sense where they they were getting hit, but uh, I mean, a lot of times staples has been one of your more traditional type of sectors for defensive uh, when you're trying to you know hide some money, but. This time around, it really got crushed uh, over the yeah, last few months. Yeah, and lately we've been seeing discretionary and staples not diverging all that much. There, yeah. there seems to be mm -hmm. some sort of amalgamation there, and we've been recommending them together with the seasonal patterns for, for consumer stuff. And I think you just had a chart up there, you know, uh, that, you know, it's it's tracking the market. It's, it's, it's coming into its bullish season. I don't see the defensive, uh, um, you know, personality of of staples as much as it used to be mm -hmm. um what about gold uh this is something we were talking about this weekend um a little unusual to see gold uh rising so dramatically especially with the dollar going up as dramatically yeah. as it has been as well um you know some were posing you know that it looked a little bit like maybe a short squeeze you know kind of thing that was going on um Anything about gold or, you know, other commodities for that matter? I mean, gold might be a little flight to safety there with what's going on with some of the, the um, you know, geopolitical stuff. I'm look, trying to look at that chart you have there. What is that blue box above oh, gold this there? The, the, this is the pattern recognition. What's the pattern there? It's is a it double bottom. Through? Double so bottom. yeah, double bottom. Double so that kind of gives yeah. you a buy zone, like a five percent buy right. zone. Right. No, I mean, I, I I love Market Smith, and I'm just wondering what you're what you're seeing there. Um, yep. I mean, gold's had a run. I, it's it's a seasonal trade. This happens to be the fourth quarter, which is traditionally the gold season. Uh, it was an old page in the almanac for a million years. Um, you know, I don't see gold as more of a, a you know a hedge for for long term. Have a little bit in your safe deposit box or your your you know 
your portfolio or trade it seasonally. But, um, you know, commodities, you know, had run for a while. I think it's, it's, it's kind of soft right now, uh, you know, except for the energy. Um, I mean, oil, mostly gas was having some trouble because of all the supply out there, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that we're putting together for the commodity traders almanac for 2024 that should be out towards the end of the year. And uh, right now, I mean, commodity wise, there's not a whole lot that I'm excited about. Uh, it's more of an equities period for me, you know, with the best six months and the best eight months and mm-hmm. this, this uh, you know, potential October low we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, when we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more of the seasonality. Uh, a lot of reminders uh, for folks that have seen Jeffrey before on our show, but uh, reminders well worth remembering. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. The stock market moves quickly and it can be a lot to keep track of. But what if you had a team of experts feeding your research and trade ideas every morning? Market DM by Investors Business Daily is a daily newsletter that boils down everything you need to know about the stock market into a five-minute read. You get actionable trade ideas for stocks and options in your inbox every day, plus educational lessons to help you elevate your trading. Subscribe today for only 20 bucks a year. Just go to investors.com slash market DM. That's market D-I-E-M to get started. We're back. It's the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Paris, who joins me every week. He's an O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. And our special guest this week is Jeffrey Hirsch, returning back to the show. He's an editor. Uh, he is the editor, the big man over at Stock Traders Almanac, uh, taking over where his uh, father left off, who would have celebrated his 100th birthday not too long ago. Uh, so that that's uh, real interesting stuff because a lot of stock traders really rely on the information that's been collected over so many years and you know to that to that effect let's talk a little bit about this whole seasonality uh that that you mentioned you you keep on saying jeff how we're looking at the the best six months uh coming up and and so what what is what is that based on and uh how often does it come to fruition well the best six months are based upon a discovery that that yale made back in 1986 was first published in the 87 almanac that most of the market's gains are made between November and April. And mm-hmm. from May to October, the market tends to go sideways. Everyone likes to get hung up on selling May and go away. I like to say, you know, you got to buy in October to get your portfolio sober. Um, just a little pun, a little rhyme there. But, uh, and what we've seen over the years, um, I don't think I provided you with, with, with these charts, but we can always, you know, refer to them. Um, since 1950, the Dow has gained about 7.5% in the best months versus 0.8 in the worst months. Wow. Okay. Add in our MACD buy and sell indicators, sell side, we do use the 12.69 in, in April or June, depending on if it's NASDAQ. Um, and that number, you know, the, the best months goes up to 8.9 and the little gain of 0.8 goes down to 0.5%. And if you use compounding, it's powerful. So, mm-hmm. and that's been working you know, like nothing else I've ever seen since, you know, back to to World War II. Um, There was a book years ago, you might remember it called Evidence-Based Technical Analysis by David Aronson. Um, I think it was our, it was was our best investment book. I believe it was 2008. And in that book, he tested 6,200, if memory serves, uh, black box systems, put them through the scientific method 
uh, disproving the null hypothesis that um, their results, these, these systems results were not the result of chance and had predictive power. All of them failed. When mm -hmm. we put his book out as the best investment book, we asked him to put the best six months through its pace. It's simple. Just, you know, October 31st, April 30th, April 30th, October 31st, no, no MACD. Unlike all the other 6,000 plus, he found that the um, best six month switching strategy had predictive power and the results were not the result of chance. So mm -hmm. this, is, this is what the best six months are. It doesn't go like, ha, ah, the market didn't go down the, from May to October. No, but a lot of years it does. And most years it kind of goes sideways and marks time and it's choppier and gets weaker during the summer doldrums when volume dries up. And we had it this year. We had that very typical July peak. But for now, here we are in October. And um, I think we want to just just zoom in on, on the October specific and then get into, you know, how the year has played out. I mean, the four-year cycle is also uncanny, which I've shown you, and 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 I, and I can I can put it here. But for October, you can see in the big dashed lines is the pre-election years, and you could point to October 25th area there where you see a low in the Russell, um, which is today's close. I just posted this out on on Twitter a little while ago, but uh, um, the the little dots are the current is the current 23 and. Interestingly, the pre-election years are, you know, the strongest of the four-year cycle, as I know you guys both know. Um, October uh, is weaker for the pre-election year, perhaps hmm. having something to do with, you know, there being such, you know, handsome gains earlier in the year, that sweet spot that we've spoken about from midterm Q4 to, to uh, pre-election year Q2. And here we are with um, I mean, the Russell is most pronounced, it's 2000 here, most pronounced with the, the red dotted line that you're hovering over there. Um, the, that we're seeing a potential low around October 25th lines up pretty well with all the history. So I know it's a rough day um, or a, uh, a, you know, unnerving day, a volatile day, but, you know, a lot of times we find lows during um, these, these most concerning trading days. So it remains to be seen, but it's still lining up pretty well. Wow. So mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, this definitely helps, Jeff. Uh, but yeah, and so now you know, for, for all the listeners out there, what we want to do from the IVD perspective is let the market set up. The earliest we could get a follow through day is uh, next week now because yeah. we reset the count uh, today. And so we're back to essentially day number zero. But if you get that follow through day, if you start seeing some stocks breaking out, hopefully this, uh, you know, some of this data, you know, will help you get a little bit more conviction to at least take a shot on something on the follow through day. If How something's can I actually get that, that, that information into my inbox. Just you know what? If you go to uh, if you're if you go to investors.com, usually that uh, that information will be on the big picture. You know, it's but it's, I used uh, to read the big picture in the paper every day. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's still. It's still on investors.com every day. So right on the front fantastic. page on the left. I love those side. follow throughs. And, yeah. and I mean, you know, I use Market Smith, but I, I need to be able to get that that confirmation from you guys as well. So I got to I got to check on that. But yeah, we'll we'll, know, we'll make sure your subscription is up to date and you're uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a we'll give you a tutorial uh, during the break. Uh, so right. you know exactly where to find it. Um, so uh, now you, you've kind of mentioned how your your goal isn't really to get 
right at the bottom on that bottom day. If you're close, you're like, I I'm good. You know, so uh, you mentioned how you don't really have stops in place right now for the indexes. Um, if Is there anything about, okay, if this doesn't, if this doesn't bottom in October, is it likely to bottom in November? Or how does it how does it play out when October happens and the the indexes are still looking for a bottom? Well, you probably have a situation where there's something more powerful at play. Uh, right. Other forces, other than the usual, you know, market forces, seasonal and otherwise, it could be the Middle East, it could be inflation, it could be rates, um, it could be politics, it could be geopolitics. But here we are in a pre-election year where you generally see the high for pre-election year at the end of the year and the huge Q4 rally. But if the market can't materialize that, I'm going to start getting concerned. Um, the only things that we don't you know, have stops on are the, the Dow, S&P, NASDAQ, and Russell 2000 ETFs that are part of the seasonal switching strategies. And you know, we reserve the right to go in and call a sell if we need to, uh, whether mm -hmm. we're out of stop. But right now, it's still playing very um, very much into our hand and very much into our pattern. So while, you know, and I've, and, I, and I've mentioned my own contrary indicator emotions um, and times like these, when I'm most nervous have been times when markets have bottomed or turned uh, when, when things look darkest. So um, you got to have a little patience. You got to have, you know, yourself a little diversified um, other than just being in, 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 you know, in this trade, but um, we were out of the market since, you know, June 22nd and, and earlier when we got out of the S&P and Dow. So, you know, had we been in the whole time, um, I'd be even more concerned. But having missed the Q3, Q3 correction, uh, I'm OK getting it a little bit early. Yeah, you saved a lot of a lot of pain and, and your readers mm -hmm. a lot of pain if they're following that for sure. And even it, more it so last year, as you guys remember, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Getting out of the way of that, that bear market in 02. Yeah, but here yeah, we which... are, October, October phobia, bear killer, bargain month, turnaround month, um, and it's lining up pretty well. Um, if you roll out to the 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 full year chart, I mean, there's there's a lot of charts we could go through. Um, so this is the S and P uh, for 23 in the purple line, looking at um, all three election years in the black line first term in the blue line and pre-election years after a midterm bear market, which we all now agree we had last year. Uh, for a while, people didn't agree on that. And then the red line is my aggregate cycle, um, which includes the all years. I mean, not just pre-election years, all pre-election years and the third year of the, 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 the decade, the decennial pattern. So all years, four-year cycle, uh, decennial pattern. And you can see that um, in general, there's a late October low. I know they're crossing over a bit. The, the all pre-election years is most pronounced in that late October low, um, but there's there's weakness on, on all of them. And you can see the, the seasonal pattern I mentioned in the red line where you have sort of sideways May to October and up from November uh, through April. And I mean, I'd love to show you the, the four-year cycle one again also, but uh, the whole seasonal and four-year cycle trading pattern continues to track. It's been tracking to a T for quite some time. And, and as I said, you know, it's times like these when everyone's starting to jump on it that I get a little bit concerned that something might, might uh, you know, override. But for now, 
it's still tracking and tracking closely. And this indicates to me, you know, a, a late October low, potentially a, a couple of retests or, or some other pauses at the end of November. And, um, and then we take off at the end of the year, the last two weeks of the year, especially when small caps outperform. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it looks pretty, pretty on track to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you talk a lot. Uh, and by the way, we, we are going to have Jeff back on uh, like probably February because uh, you, you really kind of hit home a lot of times how important the trifecta is for how the now. year goes. Yeah, the tradition it's, it's now. The, it's the one podcast <laughs> tradition. Right. Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, the, the first thing you're looking for is that Santa Claus rally as part of mm. your tri trifecta. So, um, you know, how important are the next few months? Uh, in terms of, you know, how, how we finish out the year to determine uh, what happens next year? I think it's, they're very important. I mean, if we don't get a Q4 rally in a pre-election year, and then we don't get the Santa Claus rally, which people always mistake as being something, as being the year-end rally, where, you know, that's the one Yale invented if Santa Claus should fail to call, bears may come abroad and all that, that little trading period at the end of the year, last five days, first of the new year or the first five days of the year, and then the January barometer, if none of that triggers, that's gonna change my outlook. Okay. Um, I'm gonna to need to see those, those seasonal indicators come in along with the market behaving uh, uh, more healthy over the next couple of months for me to continue to, to, to be bullish for next year. Yeah. And, and you know, I also want to mention, uh, oh, I, I just want to mention for folks uh, real quick, because we, we did just go over a lot of charts. So just as a reminder, they can find uh, these charts at, you know, by watching the video of the podcast at www.investors.com slash podcast, or um, as, as many of you can see, uh, uh, Jeff put his uh, uh, Twitter handle or X, I, I should say, at yeah. Almanac Trader. Um, that's that's right there. And these these were posted earlier uh, on on X. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're pulling these charts right from there. So um, and of course, we should also mention that Folks can often get a lot of this stuff from the service. Um, you know, the, the Stock Traders Almanac is coming out. Is is, is it published yet? I it know is this is out. around. The, it's it out. Came, it was released on the 24th. I've seen some people have already received them. Okay, perfect. So, you know, that's something that uh, folks can go. And by ordering it through you, uh, Jeff, uh, they, they, they get access to a lot of your insight and commentary as well. So yeah, It comes free with our subscription. By the way, I asked the Wiley uh, PR person to send you guys each a copy. Oh, awesome. Thank Very you. good. Okay, Arusha, take it away. You had a question. Well, yeah, I, I, getting back to the, the Almanac and the 2024 Almanac, you have to write that outlook you know, months ahead, <laughs> June. right? June. June. <laughs> June. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's that's one of the, the strange things. I mean, I, I do reserve the right to update it at any time yeah. I so choose, but it's I'm on record for what I think, you know, should be bullish next year, power of a sitting president, but We'll do the annual forecast just before Christmas in December for the newsletter, and, and that'll, you know, take into consideration everything that's going on. And then we'll update it again in January. And as I did with you guys last year, you know, we've done other years after the January barometer and trifecta are in. But as I was saying, you know, I guess in the break, you know, the thing with, you know, when when the market doesn't behave as, as, as it should during a bullish period of time. Uh, it's an indication that there are other forces that are more powerful at play. And then when that seasonal bullish period is over those forces may really have their say and that's oh, well. that's the, the sort of underlying point about you know what happens if the market doesn't rally 
you know, in Q4 and doesn't have a, a January tri indicator trifecta. You know, uh, I might go bearish. Let's see what's going on in the world. Let's see what's going on with the economy, with, with um, GDP and, and rates, as well as technicals and, and that sort of thing. But yeah. um, And I think that's important that you always reserve the right to change your mind based on new data. I mean, that's that's what we have hello? to do, right? <laughs> yeah. So talk a little bit about this NASDAQ pre-election year, uh, kind of kind of a similar thing as what you see. Very, with the very similar, more pronounced. I think that the key thing here is, you know, this mid-July peak, it just really sticks out. I mean, there's a little trade here at the end. I'm sort of pointing at it, you know, at the end of June um, into the, the last three days of June, first nine days of, of July, we call the the um, Christmas in July, NASDAQ mid-year rally. Okay. Uh, came right on cue this year and the market peaked as everyone was getting, you know, finally getting on the bullish bandwagon that we, that we uh, jumped on back in last October. Um, and then we had a very typical August correction. There's also this hot July's uh, um, tendency, which is something that Yale came up with that we discovered when I was working with them. You have a hot July market up more 3% or more. You, you tend to see a low uh, later in the, the late summer or fall. And we're seeing that right here. Um, we had that sell-off. And then, you know, we were concerned about some, some banking uh, uh, surprise, you know, something going on there. But we got plenty of other uh, um, worries with rates and inflation and, and what's going on, you know, going on overseas to knock the market down during the seasonally weak, vulnerable period. But NASDAQ here tracking the pre-election year trend in blue also very similar to the aggregate cycle. And, you know, this this one has got all years on it, which looks kind of flat on this scale, but you can see the, the Q3 after mid-July, just sort of flat period. I mean, it, it's really, you see that October low, uh, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. between Q3 and Q4, and then a rally to year end highs. Um, so buy in October, get yourself sober. It's a sobering day in the market, a sobering sell-off we've had over the past couple of weeks. So, um, you know, th there's some there's some concerns out there in the world, but uh, I, I think we're setting up for that October, late October low. Mm -hmm. Well, great. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the trades that are catching Jeff's attention right now. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. The stock market moves quickly and it can be a lot to keep track of. But what if you had a team of experts feeding your research and trade ideas every morning? Market DM by Investors Business Daily is a daily newsletter that boils down everything you need to know about the stock market into a five-minute read. You get actionable trade ideas for stocks and options in your inbox every day, plus educational lessons to help you elevate your trading. Subscribe today for only 20 bucks a year. Just go to investors.com slash market DM, that's market D-I-E-M, to get started. Welcome back to Investing with IBD. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Paris, who joins me every week. He is a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors. And our special guest this week, Jeffrey Hirsch from Stock Traders Almanac. I should have mentioned that his website, stocktradersalmanac.com, as, as he mentioned, that's a place where you can go to get this year's um, or this coming year's Almanac that's already out and published. Uh, you go to that website and you get... Uh, 
a subscription and you get that Almanac free with that subscription. So uh, let's come into this a little bit with some of the trade ideas that you've uh, you've got on your radar right now and you know some of the past ones. Uh, but let's start with GBTC. GBTC, of course, uh, tracks Bitcoin. You alluded to this in the first segment that there's kind of yeah. this uh, where money's shifting to. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that Bitcoin's an area. Well, I mean, it's shifting there, and, and I'm noticing it more so because of this study that I did uh, over the summer with Adrian, I'm going to say his Polish name correctly, uh, Zdunczyk. Uh, I think I got it right. He's the That sounded term. right to me. Yeah, it sounded pretty good. The, the Yiddish blood helps with the pronunciation. <laughs> there but, you go. Um, Adrian's a, a, a doll. He's a, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, he's a technician. He's a CMT. I uh, was an engineer and he's got a big following with, with um, crypto. And he approached me at the CMT symposium uh, last April, big fan of the Almanac, loves the seasonal patterns and wanted to work on a study and put Bitcoin and crypto through our seasonal, you know, study paces. And we did that um, several great meetings and a real collaboration, we put out that paper, which I, I sent a copy to you guys. We, we put it out there for the world as an educational piece. And I had been asked about seasonality Bitcoin for a long time. There was never enough data. Um, mm -hmm. And even now, I'm still a little curious as to, you know, or skeptical of, of, of the data set because it starts in 2010, July 2010, but it was so volatile and crazy back then. What, was there any pattern there? And then you had the 2017 um, uh, futures listing. And then, you know, El Salvador, was it El Salvador, right? Was, had yeah, Salvador adopted currency. it as a currency. And, yep. and, mm -hmm. yep. and lately, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of, action with BlackRock and the ETF stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I noticed out at the Future Proof Conference in, in um, California in September, there was a lot of sponsorship of some of the Bitcoin, you know, uh, Grayscale was there and, and Bitwise. And then I came back and all over the cable, you know, financial news, it was this Bitcoin ETF, this, you know, all this crypto stuff going on. And then as we're putting together the final uh, touches on this paper, we see that the seasonal low of Bitcoin is September, late September, September 25th. So we timed the release of this study um, <laughs> at that time for, for fun, but also because it was it was timely. And um, lo and behold, you know, it's it hit a low there. I have a position, full disclosure in GBTC. My position is up uh, substantially since I got it. So I'm not saying that anyone should go chasing this, but if you're looking to get into uh, Bitcoin and, and the trade, but want to do it through an ETF, I know there's a new one coming out. This is very well correlated to, um, I don't know if you can do the correlation on that chart to, uh, uh, to Bitcoin itself, but um, this is one of the reasons that, that it was my choice was that it, it correlates and tracks very well to the underlying um, Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. With some of the seasonal charts that we did, I mean, October's up substantially for, for Bitcoin uh, and um, November is up even more. Yeah. And if you can, I mean- I Yeah, let, let, let's switch to that chart real quick because uh, you, you have a chart here that shows really well how, you know, September, September tends to be a, yeah. an ugly month and, um, you know we're you know we're, we're looking at some really strong months uh coming up here so uh i got in gonna... pretty close to that low point i mean it's up you know what like a hundred percent from last year um 
uh, or something something in, in that period of time. But you see that September, um, you know, low bar right here. Um, yep. Very true. It looks, if you remember from your almanac, doesn't this look very similar to the S&P or, or NASDAQ bar charts that, you know, we have in, in the back of the book there in the data, data bank? Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that we noticed is that, uh, as I mentioned, it's a bit of a flight to safety right now, but overall, it seems to be tracking the stock market. It kind of trades like a tech stock or the NASDAQ, where you have, you know, uh, at about 4x, the NASDAQ is, is sort of the, the, the back of the envelope comparison. Um, and you can so it's a little bit more of a risk on trade. Uh... It's a risk on trade and seems to track the, the seasonal you know, movements of money by people uh, every year. I mean, people go away for the summer, even the even the crypto traders, and then they come back and uh oh, it's down. They sell sell off some stuff in September and it bottoms. Just the end of the Q3, like Arusha knows. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, a part of it may have to do with the institutional acceptance over the last you know five, six, seven years of and and, and usage of uh, crypto and Bitcoin that has it tracking. Um, the general stock and, and cash flow uh, behavioral patterns of, of, of the market, which is driven by the institutions and their quarterly behaviors and annual behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, I think I had the nice chart that I made. Uh, yeah, the Burbness. Yeah, there's mine. Um, very similar to my other charts. It's kind of my, my look with these things. And um, you can see uh, I've got two axes here. The left side, you can see it goes from minus 200 to 2,000%. Um, and that's what the all years and the 2011 to 2017, the, the, the first full year of, of data that we have in the blue likes there. Um, right side is minus 10 to 100%, which is uh, 2018, last five years to 22. Um, and um, the current year in orange, this is... A little bit uh, dated a, a couple of weeks ago. I think this is update on the ninth or something of memory service. But we've gone higher. We all know Bitcoin's up to almost thirty-five thousand. Was up even more today. Um, you see that late September low on the chart. You know, in, in the blue and green lines, right? Annual. You know, we talk about sell man go away. I mentioned buy October and get yourself sober with Bitcoin. It's like remember to buy in September. Okay. Remember in September. Whatever. It seems like <laughs> you could just buy in September every year, but um, I got in a little bit after the, the, that late September low, um, just because of some uh, trading and other things. But uh, still, I'm up substantially in that position um, over over the last uh, uh, two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so again, this is this has been you know a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, it's also a proving ground, a proving time for for Bitcoin. Um, everyone's talking about this Q4 rally for Bitcoin as well. And again, like the stock market, as I said last segment, if it doesn't happen, you know, it, it's going to be a concern. And then there's this, this halving right. cycle, right? Right. Uh, which is something I learned during this study. Um, this, 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 you know, endeavor with, with Adrian, um, you know, it's a four-year cycle, but it's not a real full, exact four-year cycle. Presidential cycle, same day election every four years. Second, you know, first Tuesday after the second Monday or first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. And whereas the halving cycle is about four years. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you know, every 210,000 blocks on the chain, the 
fee that one gets for mining Bitcoin is cut in half. It's mm -hmm. built into the code. It's built into the whatever how, how the, the blockchain works. It's estimated or projected that the, the next halving will be in April of 2024. While uh, um, you know working on the project, I saw that date sh that estimation shift. Remember, like April 16th to the 24th. I haven't checked it in the last couple of weeks, but it may have shifted back and forth. But what you can see on this chart that um, my friend uh, Adrian did was that the previous three, the previous three halvings, you see those lines there, uh, there, there was sort of a, a, a fade into the halving, kind of a cup and handle there. Um, yeah, come out. I know it's hard for me to <laughs> avoid that, but um, that's funny. But you see, it, there's sort of a softness going into the halving, and then it never or has never so far returned back to those those pre-halving levels. That's so potentially going into that now. Um, there's some other interesting data points on this chart, but the, the point being that you know, if this halving pattern doesn't hold up, if the Q4 halving, uh, uh, if the, if the you know the Q4 rally doesn't happen. Um, it's a bit of concern, but uh, I'm in. I've, I've taken a, a position here, and um, it's it's been paying off right now. Yeah. Um, well, uh, hey, th thanks for sharing that information because I know that Bitcoin is something that's uh, uh, still mysterious for a lot of folks. But uh, the GBTC, of course, is one way to uh, one way to play that. Um, and if anybody ahead. wants the paper, anybody wants the study, just you know, reach out to me. Oh, awesome. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let, let's go ahead and uh, switch gears a little bit and talk about, you, you mentioned it a little bit already, um, but you, you do have a lot of data on kind of uh, sector plays. Um, so may, maybe we could talk about XLP. You know, we, we mentioned Staples at the beginning and uh, Staples certainly haven't been the, the place to hide cash uh, as, as it usually is, but uh, it's something that's been kind of creeping up lately and the relative strength is improving on it so even though this is below its 200 day moving average line below its 50 day moving average line um what is it about the the sector cycle that looks a little interesting to you well i mean in the almanac page 94 is the sector seasonality selected percentage <laughs> place um and it's also something that we put out to our subscribers in the newsletter and the seasonal pattern for staples is long the beginning of October through the beginning of June. Um, let's see the, the up about 8.8% over the last 10, 15, 8.3 to last 10 and 5% the, the last five years. So it's part of that, you know, uh, cycle of consumerism that tends to revolve around Q4 and Q1 of, mm -hmm. of the calendar year with holiday buying and purchases and annual, you know, activity and just the general best month where money's flowing into the economy and the market. Um, and, you know, we're in it uh, about 61 and 41 or something. So right down there, the beginning of uh, October um, after being out of it for quite some time. So I know, um, there's been some concern about its defensive nature, uh, which I, I mentioned before that I don't think it's as defensive as it used to be and seems to be running in concert with discretionary, consumer discretionary a, a, a bit as well. But mm -hmm. it's set up for a really nice seasonal buy for us. And, yeah. and this is our annual buying spree where we you know, basically get in not only just the Dow, S&P, NASDAQ, Russell for the best month switching strategy, but 
the whole basket of, of sectors that come into their seasonally bullish period. And that's when we put out those ETF recommendations, XLP being one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, yeah, because uh, you know XLP even last September had a pretty decent sell-off there. It was like a fifteen percent sell-off uh, at that time. So, but there it was in the beginning of October. Yeah, and it had a nice little rally. <laughs> it is kind uh, of funny. Yeah. Now, th- through the end of the year, it didn't do much for you know the beginning of the year when uh, when tech really took it, off. Look where it tops out. You just put your mouse where mine is, even though I'm not in control of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's kind of the, the best months. And, you know, we mm-hmm. do carry stops on, on those positions. And we do also have target prices, which are about 10 percentage points above the actual, you know, average seasonal, you know, gain for that for that pattern. So if we do get a blowout and something really takes off, we'll take the profit on that. Mm-hmm. Now, the, you, you've got you've got information on, you know, how well tech does and how well this does. Um, Staples is usually kind of considered a, a little bit more boring. Right. And, and slower. So do you ever look at it and say, OK, we're going to you know, we're going to pass on this because historically these sectors are just stronger, you know, during this time. Or do you say, look, we don't know which sector is going to be the best. We're going to you know kind of sp- spread it out a little. There will be times when we. Uh, pass on sector seasonal trades. Mm-hmm. Um, the oil short was one of them that we recently passed on from you know September through October, uh, and we're happy about that. When it comes to these baskets, unless there's something macro or something technical or something that we perceive to be you know getting in the way of of this you know particular sector's seasonal trade or it's been diverting, like if Staples was up a lot. When it was supposed to be down, you know, coming into the season, we might pass on it. But for the most part, we found it's best to buy the basket, even, you know, dollar weights or whatever works for you in your trading account and, and, and stick with it that way. Same thing with the stock baskets. Very good. Uh, well, let's go ahead and end uh, on a kind of a anticipatory note, I guess, because uh, <sighs> you also have a stock basket of individual stocks that you often will cover, um, and that that's not out yet. Uh, when no. does that typically come out? Right around now. Uh, last year, we put out two baskets. One was just after our MACD buy signal in October, and one was in early November after earnings season was over. And this is where we came uh, upon Super Microcomputer, which is one of the few stocks left in our stock portfolio right now, which is a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. We came into it around November 10th at around 81.93, if memory serves, and it got, um, you know, caught up or, or, or part of the AI chip craze and um, ended up becoming uh, the biggest holding in the Russell 2000. Yeah, uh, by far. Only, you know, and all the other stocks got stopped out. We tend to move stops up, you know. We sell half on a double with all of these these, these stock portfolios, uh, these stock picks in the portfolio. Uh, Excelis is still in the portfolio. Also, I can tell you our stop uh, on on SMCI is several uh, points, is qu- quite a bit below the current price of two fifty. So, um, but we've got a, a handsome gain on there. So, you know, the the key there was buying the whole basket and. Um, letting yourself get stopped out of the ones that were not working and sticking to the ones that were and smci was one of them 
So what we do is we look for stocks that are, you know, I always joke pre-can slim before the momentum and the confirmation, we try to, you know, we try to deliver a different service where we're looking for stocks that are growing, um, you know, aggressive with acceleration in, in earnings and revenue growth with undervaluation um, in, in PEs, price to sales ratios, margins, that sort of thing, good cash flow, uh, a whole bunch of fundamental metrics. Then when we sift through all the stocks, uh, we use both uh, uh, MarketSmith and uh, Zach's research wizard to, to, to call all the data and we throw it into some other charting software as well. And um, all things being equal, we're going to look at ratings and we don't care what the analysts are saying about the stock. We're looking for stocks that are underfollowed. So if there are two stocks being equal, one's followed by three, four, five or so analysts, one's followed by 20 or whatever, we're going to go for the one that's followed by less analysts. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, kicking off uh, uh, growth numbers and acceleration of growth numbers relative to the market. And also we want some mellow relative strength. We want it tracking the market, not falling behind it, not way ahead of it so that it's just sort of sleeping, taking care of business, you know, with, with their numbers and under Wall Street's radar. Mm -hmm. On the fundamental side, how much do you, how much do you kind of dig into the story? Cause like you, you were talking about the having, uh, not, not, not too much. We dig into the story after. On the final okay. side, we're digging into earnings, earnings growth sequentially, uh, um, year over year, revenue, revenue growth. We want to see what the company's doing. Like uh, years ago, we ended up hitting on, uh, picking up on uh, Scott's Miracle Grow. Yeah. yeah. We didn't really care. Didn't really that. think about yeah. what was going on. It was a few years right. ago, and it turned yeah. out they were they had just bought that like hydroponic company or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you know, once we went and started doing the updates, oh wow, this is where all that revenue, all that growth is coming from. They're yeah. in the cannabis industry when, when cannabis was was hot. Yeah. And and they were they were you know making money with that 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 purchase that division that they bought. So mm -hmm. we'll get into the story later once we see why it's doing well. But we just want to see the numbers. I, yeah. I you know, there's an old quote like you know. Get your information from the president of the company, lose half your money. Get your information from the chairman of the board, lose all your money. <laughs> and how many, usually when you go through these screens, how many do you end up with that you have to select from? You know, a couple dozen, okay. 10, 20, okay. 30, depending upon what, you know, what's there. Probably not 30. It's a bit too much for, you know, any individual to, to manage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and is that a, a once a year thing? Um, again, reserve the right if the opportunities strike to, to do it more than once a year. We did two last year. Uh, we did get some weakness in, in um, you know, NASDAQ towards the latter part of the Q4. So, you know, it's usually, it's not a, we don't do stock of the month. So it's really like seasonal annual basket right around the beginning of the best six months. Mm -hmm. And and just to kind of wrap a little bow on this, because you, you mentioned the AI angle, but um, another angle, I wonder, uh, I don't know the answer to this question. Maybe you do, but with the having, uh, mm -hmm. certainly energy, you know, energy costs for mining uh, become a lot higher, right? When when those it, having comes, a... and SMCI, that's kind of what they do. They kind of um, you know really help manage uh, to get things efficient, you know, uh, in terms of the energy costs for high processing power type jobs. That's why AI is usually associated with it. Right. Um, but I know that they're involved with, uh, you know, Bitcoin mining in China as well. So is that something that, you know, maybe SMCI gets another leg uh, with the halving? Um, 
That's a that's an interesting piece of analysis. It's quite possible. Uh, for me, I think the the important part is that it might become very expensive for people to mine Bitcoin, and it, and yeah. it might have have an impact on Bitcoin. If they can make it cheaper, if they can make it more efficient, it's going to be a boon for SMCI. Yeah. Well, hey, Jeff. It's always a pleasure having you on. I really appreciate that you came on kind of last minute for us uh, to, you know, it just was uh, kind of something we were musing to ourselves. And I, I'm glad that your, your schedule is open. We really appreciated having you. Um, as a reminder, uh, you can find Jeff on Twitter uh, or what was formerly known as Twitter, now X, at Almanac Trader. Uh, go to his website, stocktradersalmanac.com. And of course, uh, as, as part of going on there and maybe signing up for a service, you will get for free that Stock Traders Almanac, which a lot of folks uh, use quite a bit. So thanks again for sharing your data. Great to be on with you guys again. Thanks for having me. Okay, appreciate it. Uh, that's gonna wrap it up for us this week. Next week, we're gonna have another friend of the show on, Joe Fami. Uh, he's gonna be on talking to us about uh, how he's seeing the market. And he's been talking about this 2003 precedent uh, we'll see if he's still thinking that's in play. So hope you join us for that. Thanks for watching us this time. We'll see you. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.